Love you, Marco. Uh, more impressions, please. <laughs> I like your stuff. It's much more spicy and interesting. Where the hell did that come from? Oh, I love you, Marco. Oh, my God. You're a great interviewer, a great conversationalist. I just never forgot you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Marco Kiris, and for 10 years, I stood under a light for a living for actor Nicolas Cage. I met some interesting people working in Hollywood. In Babel, Bullshit, and Beyond, I reconnect with those people, and we discuss what it was like going through the Hollywood system and where we are now. On today's show, we have Darren Baker, Broadway actor and singer, as well as a character actor of film and television spanning over 35 years. He came by today for a fun chat, COVID safety style. So on today's show, we have my good buddy of a thousand and two years, Darren Baker. Stage, screen, and small screen. Stage, screen, and small screen. screen as well. What's and small screen is like iPhones. It would be iPhone or, or YouTube on an exactly. iPad, I guess. That's a really small screen. And you're and you're here today, and we are six to seven because this table is seven feet long. I would say that we're at least seven feet apart. Yeah, yeah, and that's the only way to do it. So I'm glad that you came here. We each have our masks. I have a variety of masks, as you do. This and we're good. We safest, each have our own sanitizer. As far as I'm concerned, this is the safest podcast on the interweb. It is. And you have your own bathroom, which was sanitized. I used it. It was terrific yeah. and lovely uh, with the beautiful finishes. I might yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Have we started? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Great, I, great. I wasn't so. sure. <laughs> so thanks for coming over, Darren, for oh starting. It's my pleasure. And uh, I'm thrilled that we're both Canuckies. And, uh, and we met a thousand years ago. We sure did. On a pilot series mm-hmm. for CBS. For, do you remember who made, the, made it? I do. And who, I told Who was the creator? Kid, who was the creator? David, David Chase, Chase. Of all people. And I, for those who don't remember or who are like half our age, David Chase created The Sopranos. Yeah. And this was David Chase's first uh, big go mm-hmm. uh, on network TV. Yeah. Is that Is it something? okay if I take my sweater off? Yeah. It's hot as hell in here. I love it. You can't it. have Jewish people over and at this temperature. It's way too... De- no, I'm kidding. It's terrific. I feel it's like so high in the summer. <laughs> Do you have any sunscreen? It's really hot in here. <laughs> People complain about the heat in here all the time. No, no, it's, no. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's why. I but you do alone. know that comedy needs what? Heat. No. Oh, what does it need? Comedy needs cold. communication. How many times have you watched Letterman or watched Letterman? And yeah. what, what does every guest always say? It's so cold in here. Comedy yeah. needs cool, cold. I think comedy needs conversation. I'm not into the cold. My fingers are still cold, and it's it's. 77 yeah, it's pretty nasty out today. Yeah. Anyway, you were saying. <laughs> anyway, so that that's very correct. So we didn't know who David Chase was at the time. No. And we both, you know, I got the part by a fluke. It was my introduction into ACTRA to get into the union way back in what, 87, 85? I'm listening. I'm looking up on IMDb on my Somewhere on my back iPhone. then. Keep and talking. We I'm were both up. on yeah. that. And, and we were in that cemetery here in Leslieville, which is close to where I live now in Toronto. And uh, we did an all-night shoot in that cemetery. I'll never forget it. We yeah. got along very well. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I was so second. nervous. And I it was, and it was really cold. Do you remember that? And it that? was cold. So here's a list of some of the illustrious actors that were on it. And it really, uh, Tim Daly, Tyne Daly's brother, mm-hmm. Eve Gordon, who mm-hmm. was the co-star, she, a terrific actress, who yeah. I actually just did an episode of The Good Doctor with. Oh, okay. And after 30 years, we were reunited. Um Oh my God, there were some great actors on the show. There was a great actor named Albert Macklin. Anita Gillette was on the show. Uh, I mean, it was, it was quite something. Um, oh, look, look, there you are, and there I am. Anyway, uh, um, that's how we met. Yeah, yeah, and we've been friends ever since. We both had the same, well, not the same, but we had similar adventures going to LA. Do you remember your character's name from Almost Grown? No. I remember mine. Well, I don't remember because I'm not an actor. Gino. Gina? And I was part of the sort of um, the the nerdy gang, and you were yeah. part of sort of the tough kid gang. Yeah, I was in the Wappy gang. Yeah, it was yeah, kind yeah. of uh, it was the sharks and the jets. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still sporting the same hairdo. Yeah, thirty five no. years. Unfortunately, later. I'm not. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's my claim to fame. Something has to be because it certainly isn't anything else. Wow. <laughs> it was never my talent. But that's where we met a thousand years mm -hmm. ago. And that's why when I saw that photograph and I was going through them, I'm like, oh my God, I got to give this to when he comes in. I think that was 1988, I want to say. Okay, somewhere in there in the yeah. late 80s. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how I got into my 87, 88. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I sucked. I was so terrible, I knew it was bad. And, and from there on in, I didn't really... Uh, I didn't really work much, and I realized that I was not that good, and I was giving it up after that. But um, And I'm glad that you did not. I did not. And I'm so glad that you didn't, because I saw you just a few years ago, maybe three, four years ago, in Falsettos, oh, here. Yeah, the Canadian production. Yeah, it was really good. You were amazing. Thank you. Like, you were mind-boggling. I didn't come up after you, uh, after uh, the, the show was done, which I should have, because you scolded me for yeah. not coming I love backstage. seeing people after a show. Yeah, I was there Unless with a few people. it's a show that I don't want people to see me. Yeah, you were great. Darren. I loved it. Thanks. It was yeah. a really special, a very special um, role for me, and, a, and a, a beautiful production, directed by Robert McQueen and produced by... Um, the Toronto Musical Stage Company, which was then called Acting Up. Hmm. Um, but what's really neat about it is the original cast um, comprised of a, a handful of people who I got. I'm always amazed like, when I saw stuff as a younger actor and then I moved to the States and started to play in, in, in their playground and, um, uh, and, and became friendly with some of the original cast members and I'd always wanted to do the show so to get to do the show some 20 something years later um, and maybe a little I mean maybe a little long in the tooth to do it although I like to believe that uh, age doesn't matter in some instances and I don't know that it did in this but to play that role in in that show was one of the gifts of my career well you you were you did a great job I mean great job Thanks. I loved it so I knew right then and there, it's like, this guy should be working his off, like, all the time. But you're also in Toronto and not in the States anymore. And I just want to ask you a few different questions. Um, and that was one of the questions. Having lived in Los Angeles and having lived in New York, Darren, why did you come back to live here? I know why I chose to come back here um, after living, I, you know, Pretty much nobody is in love with Los Angeles. You're there because you need to yeah, be there. Yeah, LA was an interesting like, time for me. Yeah, and me um, too. And was we, were we there at the same time? Yeah, we were for a while in the 80s. Right. Later 80s right. and early 90s. Yeah, so it was interesting because moving to the States, it's a, it's a roundabout story of how I got back to Toronto. but um, mm -hmm. And always came back to work occasionally. Yeah. But Los Angeles, I went to after I did um, uh, a big musical, you, uh, a little... You know, a big little musical, no, a big musical called Les Miserables. Yeah, and I did it at the Royal Alex in Toronto, and it was uh, it was really neat and and to be a part of that. And at the same time, I was a young actor in Toronto doing some television, some theater, and kind of finding my voice and what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, and was very grateful, at a, as I think many Canadians have to be. Uh, um, as versatile as possible because it's not like the states like we have a tv season here it, it's changed now but back then yeah there was like television during this part of the year and during this part of the year so people did um they went away and they did stock theater or they did rep theater or they went and did stratford or shaw so i was kind of dipping my toes into all kinds of uh, all a variety of, of of arenas voiceover was big for me commercials were mm -hmm. big for me television wasn't big for me and theater started becoming big for me. But at the end of Les Mis, I just thought, mm, I don't know. Everyone said, go to New York, go to New York. You're such a good stage actor. Or there's a whole, you know, a whole world of theater for you. And I wanted to do television. I had just guest starred on a few things. And I was young and very enthusiastic. I could eat chicken fingers on cue like nobody. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how I managed, but I went down to L.A. and signed with pretty big agents. Um, but it was a fiercely competitive pool mm -hmm. and ended up, you know, working, you know, I did a Melrose Place, I did a this, I did a, you know. Um, but then I got, of all things, I got a big Broadway musical in L.A. called Sunset Boulevard. Thinking, mm -hmm. okay, I'll do it for a year. And they asked me to go to New York with it, thinking I would go to New York and do the show for a year. I signed a year's contract. Mm -hmm. I ended up staying in New York for... Uh, well, I was in LA for five, New York for about 19 years. So I stayed, what? I went for a year and stayed for 19. <laughs> 
For real? Yeah, for Wait, real. Wait, you were in L.A. for like five five consecutive years? I was in L.A. for five consecutive years. Wow. And then New York for 19 years, but only intending to be there for a year. And started working back and forth between New York and Toronto. So not a lot. And I'm not a, you know, people weren't begging for me, but I, I, I was known enough that they would, they would bring me in if there was yeah. something I auditioned for. And back then... When you tape for something, you self-tape, you'd have to send a three-quarter inch tape by UPS. Like, it's so <laughs> funny how much it's changed. Um, so it was a big deal yeah. to audition and expensive. Inter internationally. Anyway, th this to answer your question, which is, uh, was uh, about a half an hour ago you asked the question? Yeah, about 42 yeah. minutes ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did a number of Broadway shows and a number of life things, big things. I taught at NYU. I did... a ton of voiceover and even commercials in New York. And I did a show that I did right after my, um, my then marriage fell apart. And so I was in a pretty raw place in my life. And I did a Broadway show um, that was not all that I wanted it to be. And though I'm very grateful that I got to work with Phil Collins Mm -hmm. For uh, the time I did, he wrote a show called Tarzan, he did the, uh, the animated movie of the same name. Okay. And I did the Broadway production, and I, I was burnt out at the end of my first year, and I didn't resign. In fact, if I'm not uh, mistaken, which I'm not, I wasn't renewed. <laughs> <laughs> and there's been a handful of jobs in my career, not too many, where it either, you know, I, I've never been fired. Oh, that's not true. I did a show that I was fired from and then 10 years later was asked back, which is really, I'll tell you about that after. But I um, did the show. I was burnt out. It was not a great time in my life. I had a pretty, um, I had a pretty clean reputation. I don't mean clean, like like, you know, I, I had a I had a, a good reputation in New York as a mm. solid actor who showed up and I was in a bad place. Um, just emotionally, uh, physically, I was exhausted that I just said, you know what, I'm going to go back to Toronto and I'm mm. going to see my family and I'm going to reconnect. So I sold my place in New York. I came back to Toronto. I thought I'd be here for six months. And it's now, oh, my gosh, nine years. Wow. So I kind of make plans. Yeah. And then. Uh, you know, I should say I fake plans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You fake. I, I make plans and I keep my plans. Like I'm, I'm pretty adamant about my plans, no matter what it is. I remember we bumped into each other. We met in New York while you were working. Yeah, you. you uh, did we you... went to some cafe, some bar yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Just all meet because I said, "Oh, I'm in New York." This is a few years ago. So I think I was working on a film back then with with Cage. Right. Uh, when I saw you on the, the Cage Street. days, the Cage wage years is yeah. what they were <laughs> back then. I remember. <laughs> Yeah, so that was actually my claim to fame when it comes to that business. But you had done, so you I'd never heard of Tarzan, uh, other than the movie. I didn't know it was on so Broadway. So yeah, it was Disney. And listen, don't get me okay. wrong. Disney does beautiful, beautiful work and um, have grown so much as a theatrical, like, yeah. live theatrical producer. Um, and I, don't, I mean, beyond their theme parks. And Who was Tarzan? Uh, Josh Strickland. And um, Josh has a magnificent voice. And you knew who was in it? Oh, God. I'm blanking on her name. And she's on a big Oprah Winfrey produced TV show. It'll come back to me. No. And Shuler Hensley played um, uh, the role of Kerchak. Shuler, best known, I guess, in the movies as being Van Helsing, the monster. The monster. Mm. Okay. Um, so, the monsieur. The French monster. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so, <laughs> so, it was an interesting time. And Donnie Keshawars um, played the, the bad guy. I forget the character's name. And he and I have since become really great friends. He was on a TV show called Forever. Uh, a great, great film actor. Hmm. And what about Sunset Boulevard? I'm dying to know about Glenn Close and what it was like to be mm. with Glenn Close on Sunset Boulevard. I didn't get to see that. I was dying to see it both in LA and New York. Somehow, I don't know what happened, but I missed that show. So over time, so all in, I guess I worked with Glenn Close for two years. Wow. Because we did it in LA for nine months, but then that didn't include the, uh, the rehearsal period, which yeah. was quite lengthy. Because we were, although it had been in London, England, we, they were reconceiving it for the States, yeah. for America. And Glenn was, uh, you know, joined uh, the cast in the title role of Norma. Mm -hmm. um, and it was amazing. I was, uh, I started out as what they call a swing in mm -hmm. that show, which meant I covered predominantly the entire male ensemble. I wow. understudied 13 roles in that show. 
You're kidding. Now, I was 28 years old. I understudied 13 roles, everything but the lead, male lead lead. I did the second male lead, um, which is Artie Green, but I didn't do Joe Gillis, the uh, Artie Green played by Jack Webb in the original movie. Anyway, and then uh, when the show closed abruptly- Oh, wait a minute, let me tell you. Yeah. 13, now, first of all, how do you how do you get your 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 head wrapped around I, thirteen I, different I, characters I just, and the movements, yeah. the dancing? I mean, it's it was different. A, well, the choreography. You know how? how? Every Thursday, I get a paycheck. Oh, <laughs> that's how I felt when I was on King's so Rage. I just went working on a movie with. <laughs> yeah, and here's the crazy thing of it. It was so funny. They, no, I, but there's, there's got to be a, a lot reunion. more than that. How do you memorize? I just had a reunion that? on Zoom with. Oh. Um, one of the understudies swings Rosemary Lore and with Glenn Close's standby, Karen Mason, two beautifully, uh, beautiful women and extraordinary talents in their own uh, right. And um, we were just talking about how did we do that? I mean, I'm whatever. Oh. So that's how many years ago? I was 28 and I'm now 55. You do the math. Yeah. But I, I said, and they all Half remember your life me. ago. I went out. And I don't know if they had staples back then, but I went to some, you know, um, you know, supply store and I got all these binders and do it tangs and sticky notes and highlighters. And I and I never opened one of them. I retained all of it in my head. If you oh asked me God. if I could do it today, I couldn't. But you know that I still have dreams this many years later because I did the L.A. production and the Broadway production. I still have dreams that they call me and tell me I'm on. Wow. Yeah. And I always Fuck it up in every... Yeah, that's how I am when I'm on set with new kids. I'm always fucking it up. And I'm like, I still have dreams that they're like, I'm late for the set. I didn't do it right all the time. I still have, I had them last night. Sorry, is it okay to say that word? Oh, yeah, yeah. Are the kids listening? As long as yeah. my kid's not listening. <laughs> yeah, there are no kids listening here. I don't think they know I'm alive. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. So that so when it closed in L.A. and there was the controversy, I don't know if you remember, Faye Dunaway was going to take over for Glenn Close. Mm -hmm. And they fired her before we reopened and it was um it was a big deal because patty lapone had been fired from doing it in la and then glenn wow. got it and then glenn, to replace glenn was faye dunaway and then faye was fired so i wasn't planning to go to new york with it i was going to stay with it in la because my dream was to continue in the television world yeah but when the show closed and um i remember i just bought a car uh, emerald green toyota camry which like i look back and i go emerald that's green. what you bought like yeah. you were doing okay and you bought a camry <laughs> uh, to, no offense to any camry drivers out there because they're much nicer now yeah they're um, great <laughs> i don't own one but i great. i bought this camry and it's so funny i had to make this decision and i i wanted to keep the camry so badly that i said to them can i come to new york and do the show like thinking they'd say, yeah, yeah, come for six yeah. months. They made me re-audition for it. Wow. For the, Yeah. And I re-auditioned and I got it. And I went to New York to do it, uh, what I thought would be for a year. Uh -huh. And I stayed for 18 more. Wow. Yeah. And was lucky enough to do uh, six more Broadway shows. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was a great time in my life. Wow. To work that much, Darren. Yeah, I was very blessed. I, I, you know, certainly not a household name in New yeah. York. And I stood by for a lot of, like, what, what would it usually end up happening for me is I would either replace somebody in a mm -hmm. show. Um, I did originate a handful of roles on Broadway. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, but I would replace a lot or I would, I would play a nice supporting role and stand by for a lead, which was a big oh. deal for me in New York. Okay. Wow. But that's, I mean, that's all pay and play as well. I mean, you're always, you're, you're paid so you can afford to live there as well. Like people think about, like in New York, it's a very expensive place to be. It was always expensive, even when I moved there when I was 29 years old. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but it was way, way more affordable then. Way more affordable. I mean, I mm -hmm. used to, used to be able to take classes for next to nothing. Like I would take acting classes during the day. I'd work on Broadway at night. Um, I would see shows on my off days. Um, I, thankfully, I mean, my first apartment was $513, which was not even bad back then, but still mm -hmm. pricey. Um, in my fourth <laughs> floor walk up in midtown Manhattan. And that same apartment today is probably around, uh, 3,000, 3,300. Mm -hmm. And it was nothing. It was a nothing apartment. Wow. It was a railroad. They called them. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hated those. I'd gone through a few of those when I was in New York. Yeah. I mean, I, I never lived in New York. Let's be, except this for one was actually 50s. pretty cool because it had been renovated at the time. This was like, you know, in the early 90s. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, 
you know, I thought, wow, there was a there was a washer dryer in my unit, which no. yeah, which was in New York, of, in New York, unheard of in my first apartment, and then it went downhill from then yeah. from there uh, I, as I moved to other, until I could afford to buy my own place. But um, yeah, because living in a fourth floor walk up with no laundry, yeah, and there's no laundry in the buildings and in, in those buildings, yeah, um, so you'd have to go to a laundromat, which oh is impossible God. in New York City. I mean, I remember doing films there with with uh, with, with Nick, yeah, uh, and and working on films, and we were in these you know five star hotels, and there was no laundry, so you had to go over four or five avenues yeah. with and then, plastic and you, with bags, and you didn't you know we didn't have cell phones that we could watch you know Netflix on, yeah, so you'd I, you'd have your Walkman with you, yeah. Your, your what was the one oh, after yeah. the Walkman with the CDs? Your what did they call that one? The, the, well, it was like, like a, a personal CD player, right? Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you'd have your Walkman and you have to sit in the laundromat for three hours, hours. <laughs> and wait because you couldn't get a dryer or a washer exactly. and stuff. Yeah, and bring and have four newspapers yeah. with you and fear not getting mugged. Yeah, no, it, it was. I lived in Midtown when it was pretty. It was still pretty sketchy. Yeah, now it's ridiculous. Like it's been very, very gentrified. Yeah, I know. I lived there just recently for a couple of years. That was my cultural yeah, crusade yeah. it was amazing and i i lived in one of those zillion dollar condos by the park and it was crazy crazy but again laundry was in the basement despite the price yeah, of the condo yeah, yeah. it I was like that live in multi-million dollar yeah yeah dorming building the whole, it made me crazy what? it's a first world problem i mean just for, yeah you know, god bless them <laughs> yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah if i was over it after they'll get through it gone. marco they'll get through it yeah, barely. I was pretty jappy, you know, for a gappy, a gappy dude. Can I go way back, way, way back? Darren, you were born and raised in Toronto. You mean, wait a second. In 89 wasn't far enough? We're going further? <laughs> no, we're going okay, way go, back. Go, go, go. We're going back to, to 65. Wow. <laughs> um, you were born and raised in the city, correct? Like I, I was, was born and raised in Toronto. Yeah, like, like me. And your father, and correct me if I'm wrong, your father was one of the um, founders or creators of the restaurant, Mr. Green Jeans. My father's the now. So let me just uh, so that so our listeners. Very audience famous knows. restaurant at the time. I, I'm, I'm, fortunate, I'm one of these fortunate guys that has two fathers. So yeah. yes. So I so I have a, my my uh, so I have two dads. Um, try to how do we say this? So I have a dad who was with my mom, who's responsible for my actual. Birth. Yeah, and then I have my dad who married my mom after they split, and mm-hmm. it was very instrumental in my life and raised me. So two dads, yes. So yes. bio dad, mm-hmm. uh, Shelley, uh, uh, he started, founded, and was the creator of Mr. Green Jeans. Wow, a cut kind of iconic Toronto, iconic, like like yeah. big time. I used to go to the Eaton Center yeah. all the time. Yeah, that it was, was a pretty a cool thing. thing. I used to go in and like get free buffalo chips. Yeah. Right? And that was like, or no, potato skins. That was their big thing. Potato yeah. Skins. And large. And they were the first Toronto restaurant to do like oversized. And I say this with all due respect because I'm an American and a Canadian. Yeah, as um, I am. And, right. Um, who did American portions in a Canadian city. Yeah, they did. <laughs> it was, it, and it was, uh, it was a new thing way back then. It I remember really that. I used to work in the Eaton Center in the 70s. Yeah. And that was the to go to place yeah. if you can afford those buffalo wings or a burger. Yeah. But it was great whenever you got to sit down. It was always packed. I don't know. Whatever happened crazy. to it, it was they're gone now. Sold. But yeah. and but but not that long ago. Like they had yeah. a restaurant up until what five years ago, or maybe yeah, I don't know. Maybe they were longer, around for like thirty yeah. years, forty yeah. years. Wow, what a great place. That's that's amazing to be the son of that. Yeah, yeah. If 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 you were Greek, you would have taken it over. Yeah, that's, yeah. well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that would have been like the protocol. It's just like you take over now, green jeans. You make it blue jeans. Go. Yeah, I probably would have had a coronary eating and drinking my way through that position. (laughs) And your mama had this uh, facial um, product boutique in all the subway malls. I remember purchasing stuff for myself years ago. Well, what's funny is not just subway malls. You remember probably when you say subway mall, you like Bluer Street, she had a store right by where the subway entrance was. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's exactly right. And so proud of my mom and, and, and my my other dad and my mom. So my mom created a business called Visage, Carol Baker Visage. Yeah. And they're in, I, you know, I think almost every mall in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's funny is that so my father, her first husband, had a restaurant in the Eaton Center. My mom had a store in the Eaton Center. Mm-hmm. And I worked in the Eaton Center for another company in the basement <laughs> handing out 
yogurt-covered raisins at a place called Frontier Fruit and Nut. So <laughs> it's six degrees of the Eaton Center. Oh, my God, that's hysterical. <laughs> and you worked in the Eaton Center. And I worked in the Eaton when it first opened in right. the late 70s. Right. That's so funny. I was selling jeans at Les Marou and Dapper right. Dan. So for all that's of funny. the your U.S. Wow. listeners or people not in Toronto, so it's so funny we came here to talk Hollywood and we're talking yeah. about a mall. Yeah. But the mall that we're talking about at the time was the largest inner city mall yeah. in Canada. If not in the world. Well, yeah. More than, any, than, One of than, than in L.A. or New York. And yeah. the Beverly Center was the above ground type of mall that opened up in the 80s in yeah. L.A. But yeah. it was nothing like the Eaton Center. No, the Eaton Center was pretty iconic. Yeah. It was amazing. I love it. Now I steer clear of it, but that's because we're old. old. We we do different things today. That's crazy. And you come from a a large ramp. You're the only son, correct? So, yeah. So, I I mean, large in that there's lots of relatives, but I I have two sisters. Okay. Oh, two. I thought there were more. Okay. I was mistaken. There might be. They just didn't tell us. Yeah. Let me ask you, Darren. So you kept working and working and working. Now you're back here. Why did you choose to not go back? So I came back to Toronto um, after, and I thought I thought I just because the work is is more there no, than I here, just, right? Well, yes and no. And I thought I'll just take a brief respite from New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gone back, just so you know, in the yeah. last nine years, I've gone back uh, to a variety of there's extraordinary theaters all over America, mm-hmm. um, the regional theaters that either. Um, are the the stomping grounds for uh, um, creating a Broadway show or just great regional theaters that do wonderful seasons. So I've gone back and most of that work's been based out of New York City. Um, But I came back here because the Mervishes, um, who, you know, as we well know, are sort of like the you know, the iconic uh, theater producing owners and, uh, pardon me, theater producing family and theater owners Mm -hmm. were doing a West End hit in Toronto called Ghost Stories. Hmm. And so my agent at the time called me and said, I hear, you know, we had talked. I said, I'm thinking about coming back. And she said, well, before you come back, why don't we put you up for this thing? And if you get it, you'll come back. Mm -hmm. So I flew up to Toronto uh, and I auditioned for uh, this production. And I loved the director from England. And we hit it off. And I was cast. And this thing was, you know, apparently supposed to run for at least a year. I signed a year's contract. And unfortunately, it folded after four months. Hmm. But I had taken an apartment up here for a year. Okay. So while I was here, I said to my agent, let's just see if we can't get me back into the film world. Because I had been doing theater for so long. Which is not to say that in New York, thank God, um, people like Dick Wolf and a variety of producers will allow Broadway actors who, though they have a show at night, Mm -hmm. to come and shoot an episode of, so I did my handful, I did my five law and orders and I, you know, um, and uh, as people do, the good the good fight or it was the good wife at the time and uh, boardwalk yeah. empire. And now there's there was nurse Jackie. There was, so you name it. Right. Yeah. And there's many more now. Um, but I decided in, in addition to some of the television I had done, I had given so much of my life to the theater and Broadway and off Broadway mm-hmm. that it was time to see what I could do. And uh, it was a great, it was a great decision because the last nine years in Toronto have been wonderful for me in television. Wow. And there's a lot in, you are right, there's a, there's, but uh, yes, there's a lot of work in New York, but there's a ton of work. And because I have a bit of an American approach, mm-hmm. because I lived there for 25 of years, course. 24 years, um, I tend to be, I tend to work a lot on American shows shot in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I, I jive with that, having worked mainly in America and not in Canada at all. Yeah, you which know, is not but, to say there isn't great Canadian television. I mean, I'm a I'm a recur now. I'm a, uh, I, I mean, we'll see if I'm back at the top of next season. But this year, I recurred on an American a Canadian show called Frankie Drake mm-hmm. for CBC. Yeah, uh, I've done several episodes of Murdoch Mysteries. I've done lots of Canadian. I've done. I, I shot Working Moms last year. Had a blast working on that, uh, which is a big hit in the states now mm-hmm. on Netflix. Um, and so there's lots of great. Is that Canadian, filmed here? That's filmed here. I never yeah. knew that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very interesting. And Catherine Reitman uh, is the creator, star, and producer. Mm-hmm. And she uh, was so fun on that episode that I did. And Wendy Crewson and I played sidekicks. And Wendy Crewson is an iconic Canadian actress yeah. um, who's worked in both countries. Um, so there's lots of great stuff to do up here. And I've yeah. worked with some great, great directors and producers from the States that come up here now. So I feel very fortunate to be based out of Toronto. 
and I'll go back to New York. Yeah. I was supposed to be back there around this time, we thought, uh, for a show that I had just gone out of town last year to, to ready for Broadway. And unfortunately, this pandemic has put a big pause on everything, all things theater. So mm-hmm. who knows? I'll go back to New York and I will work, oh, God willing, I'll work on Broadway again. I, I, I want to. Yeah, and you will. I mean, things will come back in about a year or so. I mean, they're going to figure it all out when things happen. It it will. I I really believe. But in the meantime, what's so great is that yeah, uh, and you're with your family here as well. Yeah, all that stuff. So you're fine. I mean, it's tricky because I have a daughter in New York City. Yeah. So I live a kind of an international. I wouldn't say like you know vastly international because we're really close to New York. Mm -hmm. And I always think of the two cities as being in the same country, although I know they're not. And for various, I mean, for obvious reasons, they're you know here we say get out, and there they say get out. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> here we hail a cab. There they get a taxi. Um, <laughs> here we say, say I'm sorry. Here we say I'm sorry. There yeah. I'm really sorry. Yeah. Anyway, but um, but I have a kid in New York, so I'm back and forth anyway, as I will be again once this thing is over. Yeah, I, I agree. Tell me about Spotlight. Spotlight, such a funny <laughs> story. Because I've seen you in the trailer five hundred times. Yeah, yeah, as is you everybody. Yeah, I mean, it was so, it's actually it's, it's such a it's such a joke that I became the face of the priesthood yeah. in a movie that I'm barely in. I was um, at the premiere in New York, the Ziegfeld Theater. Oh, did you? Yeah, and all the actors were there. They did a whole thingy on it. It was it was amazing. So I had auditioned for the role that Brian Darcy James got, um, and Brian Darcy James, who's having a huge career, and is just an epic Broadway actor, and actually a dear friend. I stood by for Brian in a show at the Pantages Theater in Los Angeles mm-hmm. called White Christmas, uh, of the same, uh, based on the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, But I also had a role in it, so I've been on stage with Brian. Anyway, I auditioned for the role that Brian got, and though we look vastly different, um, he, uh, he took the role, and I... Uh, was never heard from again. No, um, the oh. night two days before they were full, they were um, rapping. Mm-hmm. I said folding. <laughs> it's like the Jewish version of rapping a film. Are you folding? No, we're rapping. <laughs> so they were they were rapping the film, and um, and <laughs> and Thomas McCarthy personally uh, had somebody contact my agent to say, you know, we love Darren. I mean, this is what I was told. You know, but. Um, after having met him, I believed this to be the truth. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're sorry we couldn't use him, but they had an idea in the 11th hour to write a priest who does, I mean, we would say in, in synagogue, we'd say a sermon, but I think you say homilie. Is it homilie or homily? It's I'm om- not sure. Anyway, the, the sermon. And it's a scene where Rachel McAdams takes her grandmother to the church to see Father, whatever his name is, Father, middle-aged character actor. Yeah. Um, I think Nicholas <laughs> or something, whatever my name was. And I, But I think in the credits, I'm actually referred to as middle-aged priest, <laughs> you know, at St. Augustus. Or, <laughs> it's just like, really? You couldn't just call me Father Chuck? Um, anyway, but they, <laughs> they called. They said... It takes so little to make an actor happy. Just give me a name. Yeah. And and though I don't generally, and a credit. though I generally don't do roles of that nature. I'm not that I'm a star. I'm a journeyman guy, and I work yeah. a lot. But I generally don't take. Uh, but this was an epic film with an epic cast, mm-hmm. and my uncle Howard Shore, which we, uh, wrote the music for it. So my real name is Darren Shore Baker, not Darren Baker. Mm-hmm. But my uncle Howard had written the music for it. I always wanted to be in a movie that he wrote the music for. So anyway. Thomas McCarthy said, we've written this sermon. Would Darren come and film this priest? And what's fascinating about it is that they used the entire sermon and it was a, a montage. So I top and tail the sermon. Uh-huh. But apparently at one point I did this, I, like I'm going to do the look for you okay. and see your reaction where I was like this and I must have turned into the camera like this. <laughs> With this, creepy, with this creepy, ominous creepy. look. But but I was not a creepy, ominous guy. I, yeah. I played this like likable priest. But for whatever reason, they took that sh- that one frame and they put it into the trailer. So it was like Rachel McAdams, um, Mark R- 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 Ruffalo. Ruffalo. Yeah. Uh, 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 it was it was an epic cast. I'm you know and. Um, I was sandwiched between all of these celebrities, and quite frankly, the only person in the clip I'd never heard of was yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> but that clip 
made it to every talk show, every morning show, every award show. So people would call me up during the Golden Globes and say, what are you starring in this thing? <laughs> and of course, the I wasn't, but I was, I became kind of, so a little tiny role did an awful lot for my, mm -hmm. uh, for buzz for me. Yeah. But the nicest thing is I was included in the Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Ensemble. Hmm. And I received a Screen Actors Guild Award. For real? For real. Like a little statue-y thing? Yeah, it's a funny story, too, because I was You're doing... You're kidding. Yeah, and you'll laugh. Speaking of laundry in the basement, see, all comedy comes back to the yeah, yeah, yeah. So I lived in an apartment on Chalmer. I since moved. Um, to help you. I'm not going to tell you the building because I don't <laughs> want you to storm the building. But I lived in a building at Bathurst Neglington in what we would call uh, like an old grandmother building. In Jewish, yeah. you'd say booby. So in the, I lived in this old 1960s building when I moved back to Toronto and I didn't have laundry in the apartment. I had to go to the basement. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a terrible... Very New York style. Right. So I remember going down to the basement to do my dark load and, <laughs> and stopping the box off, the, the mailbox and opening it up. And this was before the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I got a notice... Uh, in an envelope that I was nominated for a Screen Actors Guild Award in Best Ensemble. And I, you know, and so I did my acceptance speech on my iPhone. I sent it to my mother and I said, I just want to thank my mother for having me. And <laughs> so I was not at the Screen Actors Guild Awards in LA. Yeah. I was in my laundry room when I found out that I uh, was nominated and then received the award. It was really nice. Now, did every actor who was on that who was receive, in the movie? Is that is that how it works? I believe every actor who was in it. I just don't know if it's that because I'm a Screen Actors Guild member. Yeah. Or because it was shot in Canada, so there were ACTRA and SAG members on yeah. it. And so I don't know about the rest of like the Toronto or the Canadian contingent. I was just thrilled to have been included in it. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, we're gonna vote. I'm gonna vote for, uh, for the SAG Awards tonight. Uh, just to get it out of the way, but uh, which are airing, I think, in, in early April this year uh, because of the pandemic. So you actually have one. And, yeah. and that's amazing, Darren. Good for yeah, you. Nice. And, I, and I heard that they had filmed it here mainly, but they did a lot of exterior in, in Boston. Boston. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was actually filmed here, the majority, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thomas McCarthy, just an extraordinary director. And um, it's a great film. It was a uh, love great being film. A part I of didn't it. think it was going to win Best Picture and stuff, but I was love surprised. Being a it was part a great of it film. in any capacity. I love being a part of it. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. Let me ask you a question. Um, tell me if the rumors are right or wrong. Uh, Rick Moranis, related yes. or not? Related. Related. And Howard Shore. Related. That's Howard's big. my father's brother. That's Rick is my. Fought my other, they're both related to my father's. So my father Shelley's brother is Howard Shore. Uh -huh. My dad Shelley Shore, which sounds like a cheap motel on the strip. Like <laughs> I went to the Shelley Shore, um, and then Alan Baker, hence my name Darren Shore Baker. Um, his first cousin is Rick Moranis, and then my grandfather, who's not with us anymore and not for some time, his first cousin was a brilliant character actor named Lou Jacoby. Hmm. And Lou, uh, I did. Oh, anyone out there who never saw the uh, uh, the movie Avalon? Mm -hmm. It's a brilliant movie, uh, directed by is it Barry Levinson? I can't remember Avalon. We should look it up. I can't but Avalon. Remember. So my um, my father's first cousin, Lou Jacoby, who was also on Broadway, the original uncle in um, in the Diary of Anne Frank. I mean, mm -hmm. he was uh, nominated for Tony. He and and he's just a he was a brilliant actor. So I grew up. I kid you not, not knowing that much about the industry because these weren't like, who, yo. So, so we're getting, just coming in now. Yeah, Barry Levinson. Yeah. So Barry Levinson made the film. Go see Avalon It's or, or rent it on Netflix or find it online. Um, it's brilliant. But I grew up believing that people somewhat close to me uh, could do it. So, so could I. Mm -hmm. Like, like it didn't seem... They, you know, you hear people who tell their families, I want to be an actor, I want to be a singer, I want to be an artist of some sort. Yeah. And they all say, well, you know, what kind of living are you going to make? Yeah, yeah. And who I do you say, know? Well, I, I, I always go, well, Uncle, How Uncle Howard has four Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm waiting for mine. No, yeah. um, I, I, no but I, 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 I have a, a handful of family who have done okay in this. And yeah, it's not been, okay. That's very modest. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, that's a, these are big names. 
Uh, and I mean, for an outsider like myself, yeah. these are huge names. I mean, I worked for. It's interesting Pokemon, because I did a pre-Broadway tryout of a show that sadly never made it into that spray sound as me um, <laughs> alcoholing my in my hands, not not with vodka, but with like Purell. Um, <laughs> although you know, I need to lick my fingers now and see how it goes. Um, no um, daytime drunk. <laughs> <that's really awful. laughs> my uh, I, I did a pre-Broadway tryout of a show. That I did with, um, oh God, you have to help me. Um, eight is enough. Not, uh, I've worked with, I've worked with, um, with, um, uh, Papa in Eight is Enough? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's wrong with Broadway. me? I don't know what's wrong with me too. Oh, I forgot his name. Well, Betty Buckley played Abby. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, why am I blanking? He was, Doesn't I shared matter. a dressing room with him. This is, I'm really That's okay. Old. We'll, we'll figure so it out. So I Go did, on. um, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's Dick Van Patten. That's oh it. Oh my God. Now Dick's from the Van Patten away, family. But yes, if anybody yes, yes. from the Van Pattens are listening, I yeah. apologize tremendously. Um, uh, I love sharing a, a dressing room with Dick. Um, but when Dick decided not to do the show after we tried it out in Virginia, Richmond, Virginia is where we hmm. first did it. They said, does anyone know anyone who might be great for this? And they had tossed around a lot of names and made a lot of offers. <clears throat> Um, they, I said, well, let's see if Rick Moranis will do it. So the show was called, uh, show was called Scandals and it was, uh, it was the success, the succeed, how would you say it? The show was the successor to a show called Sugar Babies, which starred Mm. Mickey Rooney and Ann Miller. And so I was part of the second one called Scandals, although I think they should have called it Sugar Babies too. Um, and so we asked Rick Moranis, I called him. And it's funny because I'm not close with him. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know him, uh, but I called him and I said, they really want you to do this show. And I said, you'd be so great and it would be your comeback. But Rick didn't do it. And hmm. and, uh, and it hasn't really. I mean, you know what I saw him on recently, which is so amazing? Somehow, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, what's his name? Who Ryan owns the Reynolds. Mint Mobile? Yeah. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. I'm terrible at names. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds somehow convinced Rick Moranis to do a commercial for Mint Mobile. And that's the only thing he's acted in, I think, since, you know, maybe Honey, I Shrugged the Kids. He's retired, though, right? I think he quit the business. Well, Can he quit that? the business for yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, reasons yeah. and yeah. personal reasons and yeah. to raise his children. and uh, But rights and, and, you know, I, I don't know enough about him to, to go any further, like to... In yeah. that, but but I've seen him. I uh, saw him recently. Sadly, we lost a, a relative, and I I saw him at um, at the funeral, and uh, he's lovely, Rick. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that something? So I talented, mean, Darren. I mean, for for outsiders like myself to be, you know, having an uncle like Howard Shore and so forth. I mean, I can see where you would have some confidence in coming into the business and saying, "Hey, I can work my way up," and I I don't feel so isolated. So well, alone I believe in they the world. showed me that it was possible. Yes. Versus people like myself who are like, it's a real shot in the dark. Um, so, you know, the, that upper hand helps. I mean, mentally. That yeah, mentally. mentally. I mean, I have to say. Because you I did mean, everything on your own. Yeah, but mentally, yeah, I mean, it's like. And that's okay. So did they. They yeah. did everything on their own. Yeah. As, as, as have I and as I, I continue to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you taught. I did. You taught acting in New York, L.A. and, uh, and I here. I teach here, yeah. Now, first of all, in New York, you taught at uh, NYU. NYU. How did that materialize? And was that a long time ago? Well, they never knew that I, you know. <laughs> oh, that you were a teacher. No, no, I was like, the back I door. don't know if I could do this. And they didn't either. But no, <laughs> how, did it, how did it happen? I remember, I, ah, this is so great. Backstage, when I was an understudy, this all goes back to Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of time on my hands backstage. And I had to be at the theater. Uh-huh. So actors backstage are often auditioning for their next gig or for you're a television kidding. gig. Yeah, yeah. So you're doing a show, but like you're sitting between scenes what an reading. Insight. Yeah. So people would say, "Would you read with me? Like, would you sit and read with me?" So I would. Huh. I'd grab a script, and then I, you know, I very innocently would say, "Hey, do you mind if I make a suggestion? Or have you thought of this? Or maybe if you try it, like you know." Yeah. And um, Always the giver. So the crazy thing is, though, enough people liked what I was doing that they said, you know, you should teach a class. And I was fortunate enough to study with one of the all-time greats. And, Uta um, Hagen? Yeah, Miss Hagen, mm-hmm. Uta Hagen, um, at the HB Studios. And a, another brilliant teacher named Carol Rosenfeld, who still teaches. Miss Hagen's since passed. Um, mm-hmm. And I would continue to go to classes as an actor, but I would start to 
um, expand my horizons into teaching, mm -hmm. which led to me having my own class in New York City, wow. which led to somebody calling me one day and saying, I, I can't teach. I have to sub myself out. Can oh. you go and teach a class for me at, hmm. at, at NYU? And so I went and I loved it. And a job opening came up. And this is so funny. In NYU. Yeah. So a job oh, opening cool. came up. It, you're called an adjunct what, professor. What, like 10 years ago or something? Uh, like oh, God, longer than longer. that. Yeah, longer than that, because I, I was teaching there in the early 2000s. Oh, okay. So, but but here's the crazy thing. So I, <laughs> they asked me to come down, and I had to, I didn't know what, I thought it was just my appointment, right? And now, I do every, I do straight plays and and musicals, mm -hmm. as opposed to straight plays and gay plays, yeah, <laughs> which are musicals. No, I'm yeah. kidding. That's a terrible thing to say. It's not true at all. Um, some of the straightest people I know do musicals. Yeah, um, but I Hugh do. Jackman. I but I'm a crossover actor, uh, yeah. and I believe I'm a crossover performer in television and mm -hmm. stage. And so the only opening that came up was called acting for musical theater. And I thought, okay, well, I've done enough acting and I've done enough musical theater. What the hell? And I, you know, who's going to turn down an opportunity? to uh, interview with NYU. So I went down and they didn't tell me, I thought I was just gonna go meet someone and they took me into a room um, and they had, there was a pianist in the room and I thought, oh, and then all of a sudden they brought in a student hmm. and they, the four of them from the, from the, you know, the, uh, the registrar and the head of the, uh, the of this uh, branch of Tish sat in the back of the, and two other people and they sat in the back and they said, okay, well, I mean, he, uh, I don't remember the kid's name, is going to sing for you. And then we want you to um, coach him and teach him how to act his way through a song. Mm -hmm. as wow. God is my witness. And I'm not a religious man. Um, mm. The kid sings, what a feeling from Flashdance. <laughs> that would be me. It's like, <laughs> the first thing I'm thinking is, oh my God, he's actually singing like, you know, with all the, with all the great Broadway songs you could sing this, this guy's singing what a I feeling. I sing Born to Be Alive. So he's singing what a feeling, <laughs> beings believe, you know, whatever. He's like, and he's what a feeling, and what a feeling, and what a feeling, yeah. such a feeling, and it's what a feeling, and all of a sudden he finished, and I don't know what the hell he was going to do, because I, I, this was foreign for me. Yeah. So I said, I, I have one question for you. Um, what's, what is the feeling? <laughs> <laughs> and they laughed. And they, but it was, but now in retrospect, I look yeah. back and I go, that's a really good question. It is a really good question. If you're going to sing, what a feeling, what a feeling, what a like, feeling, it would be good to know what the feeling is. Yeah. And I got the job. <laughs> <laughs> that's hysterical. You yeah. tapped into his inner, inner thoughts. Yeah. Or yeah, into their was, inner thoughts. It that's was hysterical. a, it was a, so, so that's, that's great. So you, you taught there for a while. I taught there for, uh, for a while. Maybe two and a half semesters, like two and a half years. Like that's like, a long but, time. But like a yeah. semester, uh, yeah. Every other, like I Still, can't remember. While you're working, and so yeah. So I would teach during the day, go into a Broadway show at night. Yeah. And it was a great. T I loved living and working and being in New York City. New York wow. was uh, it really just an extraordinary ride. Yeah. And glad I left when I did because mm -hmm. I got out before it got me. Yeah. And New York's a tough place to live right now. It is. And an expensive place to live. Not that Toronto isn't, because yeah. Toronto's right up there. If not the same. Um, if not the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. The whole world is. But yeah. I... Uh, the choice cities, I call them. But I, I love New York. And, and I will always consider New York really my other home. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of feel that way, too, between New York, L.A., and, uh, you know, and here, basically. And so, so you sing, you dance. I don't really dance. Well, you kind I think of I would have. I think I would have worked more, um, uh, like, in, in uh, different types of musicals if I yeah. actually did dance. I, I, what about I, Cagney? Oh, Cagney. Yeah. Yeah, I've been involved with that show on and off for 10 years now. What happened? What's going on with well, that? Well, it, 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 it's, it's a dot, dot, dot. I'll tell you what oh. happened. So I did the original three productions of Cagney playing Jack Warner, okay. the head of Warner Brothers Studios. Mm -hmm. So Cagney was a Warner Brothers player and under contract to them before he went off and opened his own studio, which was a huge failure. Huh. Although I don't know if it was a huge failure, but in our version of the story, which is slightly fictitious, um, okay. Cagney and Jack have unfinished business. Hmm. And Cagney has to come back to Warner Brothers after flopping in his own endeavors and needs Jack. And Jack kind of ultimately just wants Cagney to say thank you for everything he did for him. And yet they were two men of two, you know. But I, I think 
in the real version, they had a, a much more simpatico relationship. But Jack Warner was notoriously an awful man. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, you asked about the show. But the show, so I developed this character. I did three, I, did, I think I did a, a production in, we did two productions in the state of Florida. We did one production in Canada. And then the show went to New York, back to New York. And they went with a different actor. Uh, they went with an older actor. He, I hate saying that because if he ever hears this, he'll, but a, a really terrific actor. Yeah. Um, and they, they, I didn't do the off-Broadway run and it was very successful. Ran for a year and a half in New York mm -hmm. with a very small cast. Six people play all the characters. Wow. But they had this brainchild. This, they brought on a, a two producers who decided to make it a full-fledged, big, splashy Broadway musical, old school, a lot of tap, because Cagney was a tapper. Mm -hmm. And um, they beefed the thing up and injected it. And um, you'll laugh because you know people often compare me to the actor that I think they wanted for the role. Mm -hmm. And that's Stanley Tucci. Yeah. And uh, so they asked Stanley Tucci... Uh, or I believe that was he was on their wish list to do this next production. Um, and then I believe they asked Jason Alexander. And then I believe they asked Richard Kind. Now, mm. I could be dead wrong, but these were the names that I heard were bantered about. Mm -hmm. Regardless, none of them ended up doing it. So after 10 years, and now I've sort of grown into my age, and I think <laughs> into the ability to play the role more authentically, they called me up. And they made me, once again, and this has been a, a theme in my life, which is fine. Um, they said, you know, would you be interested in doing it? I went, yeah, like, when do we start? And they went, no, then, you know, get yourself to New York and you can re-audition. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the actor who plays Cagney. His name is Bobby Creighton, Robert Creighton, who's yeah. had a great Broadway career. And Bobby called me up and he said, you're great in the role. I love you, but there's new producers and they don't know you like I know you and like the team knows you. Mm -hmm. And the director and I didn't see eye to eye always, um, which is not a bad thing in some instances. Yeah. Um, and in some instances, it's not a great thing. Um, but mm -hmm. he was open to seeing me again. So I flew myself down to New York City, which is fine because it's always an excuse to see my daughter yeah. who lives there. And it's always great to be there. So yeah. So, so yeah. I went down and I re-auditioned for a role that I created, huh. which is a scary thing to do because if you don't get it, you go... But I'm the guy that started this whole yeah. thing. And they gave it to me. So I just, last year, I did uh, a beautiful production, a big production of Cagney, which was touted as the pre-Broadway production. Yeah. And everybody from New York came out. We did it in, um, we did it in uh, Utah. Okay, I, yeah. I think I saw the, the in Salt the, Lake the City. Yeah, there's lots of stuff like, on, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. on the internet. And about the, it. the lead guy was phenomenal. Yeah, he's great. So Just. I did it, and everybody is waiting to find out if they will be involved with it, if it should move forward. Um, that's why I say there were plans to move it forward immediately, yes. but COVID has not helped that. And now I'm under the impression and that it may try out uh, across the pond hmm. in London. So. Which would mean, I imagine, none of us are going except the lead, and yeah. that's Bobby. But um, but it was great to be a part of, and I love. Yeah, playing. but that may Jack also. Jack Warner was a nasty man. <laughs> and even if it does go to London, and then it's it's got to be back here. Then I mean that that always happens. I always say, Marco, never say never say never, and I'll tell you why. Because mm -hmm. here I was not especially like, in this I, business. I was not carried forth with the project mm -hmm. ten years ago. Yeah. And 10 years later, they called me and asked me to be a part of it. Hmm. And I just, I tell every actor, every young actor, audition for everything. You never know why you're in a room when you're in a room. Because yeah. I can't tell you how many television directors have said to me, I auditioned you seven years ago and never forgot that you and I wanted you, but the network didn't want you. But I knew someday I would have to have you on something. And this has happened many times in my career. Hmm. So I always say, don't judge an audition because you didn't get it. Yeah. Don't judge a meeting because it didn't move forward. Go and be and do and... Uh, and uh, and move on. Yeah, and we'll see, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And speaking of, what are your plans for the next 10 years? Speaking uh, of 10 years. Uh, to not have to wear a triple-layered mask and Purell myself. Um, <laughs> like, that's, that's my first... That's, my, that's, yeah. that's, my, that's number one on the list. What are my plans for the next 10 years? The same as you're doing now? You want to continue for the next... Because you're going to be working, I guess, as a character actor 
for years to come. Well, it's funny because, you know, I I was one of those young actors who, um, you know, well, we have a picture here that you gave me and I look and I go, yeah. oh my God, he should have been on XX. Like I auditioned with Brad Pitt mm-hmm. uh, for Thelma and Louise. I was in the waiting room next to oh. And not that I was, I mean, I would have been like the really sort of Kirk Cameron version of that yeah. character. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's the contingent I thought I would play in. Now I play all of their, you know, attorneys or accountants. Yeah. Um, but... Somebody said to me, if you can hold in long enough, Darren, I think it's going to work out for you. And I feel like I'm just getting started. I agree. My plans are to hopefully continue to, I love doing television. I love the schedule. Mm -hmm. I love the, I love doing a scene and moving on. Mm -hmm. I like the fast pace. I mean, fast and slow. Yeah. So the hope is to continue in television to, uh, but before that, before the career side is to, I'm, I'm a relatively new dad. I have a six year old. An almost mm-hmm. six-year-old should be six in a month and a half, mm-hmm. and so my my priorities are to be the best dad I can be, and to continue to grow in that world, mm-hmm. and then to continue my foray into uh, you know television and film, um, and to uh, I I think I want to start directing more. I did a little of it mm-hmm. years ago, and um, I just keep growing. Yeah, just keep showing up and growing. Look, you've been doing it for so many years, Darren. You've been, you know, I look at this. Uh, I don't know what else it makes to me do. Crazy. No, no, it's because you do do it well. You can teach. I mean, you've been working as an actor. You've been on, on Broadway. You're between L.A., New York, and here, and, and anywhere else for that matter, and, and everywhere else. You ever so see why a, not? You know what? It's interesting. You ever like, see if a, I had talent, I would continue. I would not stop, and you are that person. I've you seen see, you in stuff. Did you ever see this? Um, I'm showing you on my phone because I was trying to think of the name of the movie. Did you ever see the documentary, That Guy Who Was In That Thing? No. Oh, it's a great documentary made in the, I think, 2012 about... Um, and if I said the list of char- the list of actors, I mean, uh, Jelko Ivanic, um, Xander Berkeley, uh, oh my God, Bruce Davison, Timothy Amundsen, like, and, and the list goes on and on. Robert Joy, um, just great, great, uh-huh. great character actors who, for the most part, mm-hmm. you don't know their name except for Berkeley because he's been in my house. We've had dinner here. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, and I and I didn't even scratch the surface of the, yeah, yeah, of yeah. The, how many actors it's. I have sixteen. They cover sixteen actors in this documentary. Wow! You should watch it. That guy who was in that thing. Can I tell you when people stop me and say, "Oh my God, you're I, that I, guy I, who I, was I, in that, that thing." Guy, I saw you in that thing. You know what? If I could continue to be that guy who was in that thing mm-hmm. for the next. To, well, until, like, I always say I'll be working uh, as they bury me. Yeah. Um, but it, Why it, not? Yeah. I mean, I've died on stage, but I, yeah. you know, I'd like to <laughs> yeah. actually work until I can't work anymore. Yeah. But if I could be that guy who was in that thing for the rest of my career. Yeah. And uh, That's called a working of, actor. Yeah. Then that would be, that would be great. Yeah. I think that's the goal for all actors, real true actors, Darren. I really believe that because I've met a lot of people like you in L.A., New York, and they have that same ambition and same drive. They just want to work. They want to be that guy. And do good stuff. Yeah. In in TV shows on Broadway, it doesn't matter. And it's just, you know, it's work and it's creative work. I'll leave you you with this. I mean, it's interesting. Like The one thing, if you can stay in it long enough, I was a very emotional reactive, younger performer. And I think that's just inexperience and fear and fear is really ego. Mm -hmm. And, but based on what I don't know, now that I look back, um, fear uh, or the unknown. Um, But if you can stay in it as long as I have, you know, I've been doing this for 38 years (sighs) and find the joy (laughs) of the actual process of it. Like I love acting. I love showing up. I love rehearsing. I love, uh, I, I even love auditioning and people will tell you that like, and people hate it. Uh, that's hey, why I failed. Don't get me Ugh. wrong. It's tedious and it's hard. And right now during the pandemic, we have to film everything ourselves yeah. which is, or do it by zoom. But if you can find your peace with it and enjoy it and not get yourself, um, embedded in the toxicity or the, the drama, like the drama should happen in the scene and, and the rest of it should be a really pleasant experience. I love going to work with really easy people, which is not to say they don't work hard or there isn't challenges mm-hmm. or you don't get challenged because I think it's important to get a little dirty in rehearsals. And I, when I say dirty, I mean, mm-hmm. fall on your butt, get up and try it again, uh, make a mistake, take a risk or say, Hey, uh, you know, I see, I know you see it that way. I'll do it that way, but can I try it this way? Mm-hmm. Um, but 
if it ain't fun, I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. There's too much, there's too much stress and, 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 uh, and t- too many hard things just getting out of bed every day and being a part of this world. Mm-hmm. It's a hard world to live in. It is. You know? Yeah. And this, if this and pandemic. And we're fortunate. We are. We are I'm, very, I'm, very fortunate. Up, just so you know, I get every up day. every day and I, I am not a religious man, but I, yeah. I give, uh, a prayer of gratitude. I do too. Uh, every single morning, I tell Mark and everybody else. I literally get up at seven o'clock every morning. I pull up the blinds. My coffee's ready to go, and I'm like, I'm so happy. I don't have to have, go to work, and I can live comfortably. And I have my limbs, and I can speak. And there's I'm a relatively yeah. healthy, and and all that. Every single morning, there's I say a, that every a, morning, especially now if this pandemic hasn't shown. shown, yeah. shown I mean, not just this pandemic. There's disease. There's war. Yeah. There's, there's everything. Political turmoil, but. Uh, I'm not, as I said, I'm not a religious man, and I know we we we've joked around about the the Jewish thing, but yeah. um, I remember a prayer from when I was a kid called Modani, which I don't know the literal translation, but I can tell you, what does it mean? Uh, Modani means ultimately what I do know is that this particular this old ancient Jewish prayer yeah. says basically, thank you for returning my soul to my body. Now I, as I said, I the universe, God, whatever your thing is, if it's like, hey, you know, turn to the person you're, you know, who makes your life a happy thing and say, thank you for being a part of this. But it gives you a chance and a shot to get up and do this whole thing over again every yeah. day. And you know what? That's what I love. I love yeah. getting up every day and going, what's next? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. And on that note, what's next? And thank you, Darren Baker. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, love hearing it. Love, thanks, love, man. love. And what love, a nice re- what a nice reunion to yeah. to think that thirty seven years ago, or whenever we did that in the eighties, yeah. and uh, and it, and we're still connected, and we're connected because of this industry. And for that, I love this industry. Mm-hmm. On that note, we're going to disconnect. Peace out. Peace out. <laughs> The secret of life is enjoying the passage of time. This concludes our conversation with Darren Baker. Until next time, this is Marco Curis signing off. There ain't nothing to it. Nobody knows how we got to the top of the hill.